Welcome to the Crossroads podcast. This is our second episode, and we figured what better to use the second episode than to do an introduction. So we're going to talk about who we are, what we like about movies, and maybe get into some favorites or movies that mean a lot to us. So I'm going to start. I'm Ryan. My co-host here is Rob. Say hello, Rob. Hello. Uh, so I'm you know, just going to kind of tell about what I like, the movies that I like, how I got really into film. Feel free to ask any questions. I'll ask you some when you get going. Now, the first movie I remember seeing was uh, the Batman, 1989 Batman. I, I remember seeing it in the theater with my parents and not understanding a thing about what was going on. There's this you know scary dude with a white face and green hair running around. Elect- like he, at one point, shakes someone's hand, electrocutes them. I remember that image more than anything else. How old were you when that I was came out? three? Oh, so yeah. I was young. I was probably too young to see that movie. It's a dark movie for a three-year-old. For a three-year-old who doesn't really get what's going on. I remember that distinctly because my sister would have been about six months old at that point. I would have been about three and a half. Do you remember if you knew who Batman was nope. at that point? No idea. A oh. couple of years later, I found some tapes my parents had made of the '60s TV show, which had been like on a marathon a couple of years before. So then I kind of put it together. But I was probably eight by then. Uh, so it was a it was a weird experience. Not really know what was going. It was the drive-in too. So it it was it was being in the car. I don't know like anything else. I don't remember anything else about that experience aside from that one sequence and being in the car and not really getting like what are we doing this is weird it's funny because nowadays like you see a bunch of three-year-olds running around in batman clothes oh, yeah. superman clothes it's it's all common now yeah like, real common ba- and back then i think batman was still a little darker than he is now like yeah he's he's dark now but he's more realistic yes now. and then right after that like in the mid 90s batman got real dark the movies did not but the comics almost like his reaction to that got way darker the comics and uh, the animated series oh, were yeah. both fairly dark. Oh, yeah. The animated series is so good. It's amazing. There's this guy at work who likes to quote Joker every time I walk by him. And the Joker from the animated series. And the first time, I'm like, I know who that is. That was Joker. Cool. And then now he's just getting more and more obscure. I'm just like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't I don't know these ones that you're quoting now. Guess you're not a true fan. Uh, apparently not. I think the first movie that like really made me get into film, ironically, was probably uh, The Lion King. Hmm. Which is weird. Because I... You know, I had little siblings. We'd watch every every animated movie, but I remember again the drive-in seeing The Lion King and just being moved by it. I had no real like atta- attachment to it. You know, the story. I didn't really know what the story was. I was just like, this is so impressed. I think I was ten when that came out. Just being really moved, and then never really, you know, did much. I mean, I'd go to see a lot of movies. That's about it. And then got like obsessed around 2006, which is a good time to get obsessed with movies. A lot oh, yeah. of really good stuff was coming out. The CGI heavy action films, yeah. the Marvel stuff. <laughs> the Prestige was, I think, my favorite movie of that year. I think it's still my favorite Nolan film. It's a great movie. Yeah. I haven't watched it since 2006. Yeah. I probably should. I'd recommend it. Uh, it's one of those things where there, there's, there's plot twists all the time, but it's also just a really good, well-acted, intense thriller. I remember loving it when I watched it, and I'm pretty sure I own it. I just need to watch it. Yes. I'd recommend watching it at least twice and then just watching Christian Bale because he's he's doing things you don't notice that he's doing until you see it a second time and you realize what he's actually doing, and mm. it's it's fantastic. He's 
he's still you know doing some really impressive stuff i haven't seen ford v ferrari but he's probably really good in that as well he's just been doing a bunch of really impressive stuff lately he just got cast in the new thor movie really yes. who's he playing they haven't i don't think they officially announced it yet but i think he's the villain hmm. so could be interesting could be from what i understand they're turning they're bringing jane back and they're making her into thorina yeah, female Thor, yeah. Jane Foster. Jane Foster, yeah. yes, and that's a very Taika Waititi thing to do. That's it's also it's based on a Jason Aaron's comic run yeah. from 2016, okay. which I read actually. Okay. It's really good, and I I think Taika Waititi is gonna do it real real well. He's we might talk about this in another episode, but I just saw Jojo Rabbit this weekend for the first time, and I was blown away with how good it was because it it's advertised as this goofy movie about this kid who has Hitler as an imaginary friend. And it's that, but it's also a really good coming-of-age story. It's a fantastic satire, The Futility of War. It's a really good um, story about like a mother and her son just trying to survive in tough times. There's a little bit of uh, um, Devil's Backbone kind of thrown into that. There's some really intense moments. It's It was really, really good. And I think if he can pull that kind of stuff in, in a movie like that, you know... I didn't much care for uh, what we do in the shadows, but I thought the first the first Thor he did was pretty good. See, I I loved what we do in the shadows. That's the first thing I've seen by him. I love that and the show. And then I, I saw he did Thor, and I didn't like Thor one or two. I thought they were kind of bland. One is fine, but yeah, bland is a good word for yeah. it. And two is just awful. But three uh, blew me away. Three was really good. So, uh, yeah, he's been on my list, or he's been on my watch radar yeah. for since Thor. Yeah, he's also just seems like a really thoughtful interesting guy who just is very sarcastic as well he talks about the book he adapted into jojo rabbit and how he's like well, this story didn't have any you know funny scenes or imaginary hitler which i felt it needed what book was it i don't remember the name i didn't of know the it book. was based it's off based book. on a the the story as the movie is based on the summary that taika's mother gave him above the book she was reading so he okay. sort of created that almost out of whole cloth there's enough going on from the book that i have not read that I'm just, you know, people have told me or have hmm. seen online that it's similar enough to think that he actually did read and adapt the book, but he threw in some of his own ideas as well. Interesting. He did win Best Adapted Screenplay, so clearly he did a good job. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I'll talk about yeah, myself for a absolutely. minute. Um, my name's Rob. Um, I don't remember the first movie I saw in theaters, but I remember growing up at home watching all the old Disney movies, Lion King, uh, Fox and the Hound. Aladdin was always my favorite. It's still my favorite Aladdin movie. Aladdin is really good. Yeah. It's still my favorite movie. Um, like, my parents never really enjoyed going to the theater. So it wasn't until I got a car that I really went all the time. Yeah. I'd relied Same. on, like, renting DVDs or HBO. So what I, did you think of the uh, the new Aladdin, then? It's fine. Um, I personally hate it, but as a movie, <laughs> it's fine. Um, Will Smith was the best part, surprisingly. I thought he was going to be a little weak. But he, he was actually really good. I thought the music and stunt choreography was really good. But the I didn't like the things they changed. I didn't like the things they added. Um, I thought the movie was at its best when it was trying to be its own thing, not a remake. I would agree with that completely. Like it, The whole last act, just it, it lost all momentum to me. In the cartoon, you have that big epic fight with the Cobra Jafar and Genie Jafar. And this, from what I remember, is just dialogue. Yeah. And it, it was yeah. disappointing. I felt underwhelmed. I didn't like that they kind of made Jasmine a, as much of a, as 
much of a damsel in distress as she is, whereas even in the cartoon, she feels like she has some amount of agency, mm-hmm. like she's making her own choices. She's strong-willed yeah. in, in the cartoon, and in this, she's she's kind of... What, I don't even remember yeah. what happened. She has a like, great gets song, but then she gets kidnapped. Yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> okay. She she sings the song well. The song may okay. not be great, but she sings the song well. I, I agree with you on everything. I think that Will Smith is good, but he's only great when he's allowing when he's allowed to do his own thing. Mm-hmm. When he's aping Robin Williams... Will Smith is a great actor. He's not Robin Williams. I'm not saying one's better than the other. They're just different people. Completely different acting styles. Yeah. So to have one imitate the other, it doesn't really work. When I really started getting into movies as like a storytelling device, I had to be like middle school and I was watching Crash with my parents. I, I just walked in there. They just started it. I had no idea what it was. And I sat down and was blown away. Um, just the story moved me. I was very young. It, I think I watched it at a very impressionable time, and it just blew me away start to finish. So since then, I kind of dove into more dramatic films instead of the typical horror and action. So throughout high school, I was more into like those Oscar films and like what stories can these movies tell. And then I went to school for film. Um, at one point, I wanted to be a filmmaker. So I went to school and uh, worked in the industry for about three years doing video work and then just fell out of it and started doing other things but i'd like to get back into it i was always more on the like the product like the, the academic side of it mm-hmm. i you know I, I owned a camera and i did i made a couple short films in college only one of which i'm actually sort of proud of the rest of them are awful uh but i was always more into like well this is you know this is this invention this is that thing and the careers of different filmmakers and stuff and it's mm-hmm. That's always been really fascinating to me, just to kind of see, well, what was on their mind when this was going on? You know, that's, I I wrote a paper in a class about uh, comparing Spielberg and Tim Burton, because in my mind, they were very similar. And then I realized how similar and how different they truly are. Spielberg always has something to say. Tim Burton doesn't always. Tim Burton's more of a storyteller where Spielberg wants to get a point across. Tim Burton can make an entertaining film, but when he, when he fails at it, he fails at it. He's very hit and miss. Oh, absolutely. And especially as of late. Like, uh, I didn't yeah. see Dumbo, but I heard it was awful. I think was, the last was... movie I saw from him that I liked was Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows was very cheesy, but if you embrace that, it's a lot of fun. Well, the 60s soap <laughs> yes, opera cheesy. Yes. He did James and the Giant Peach, but that was, that was he didn't direct, he just 90s. produced it. Yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. And again, it's, he didn't direct that. He it's his it. artwork, his story. Yeah, oh yeah. He didn't direct he it. He didn't direct it. But that movie's amazing. It's, it's That was a yeah. big one for me growing up. Me too. Not, I would watch that all the time. High school, probably. And that was... I actually wore out the VHS of that <laughs> when I was a kid. And uh, I don't know if you guys had media play out here, but I yeah. remember... Oh yeah. I remember uh, I begged my parents to take me to media play to buy a new one. So that was a big, big movie for yeah. me. I, the day that was supposed to be my senior prom, I didn't go to it, and instead I went to like hung out with a, friend, a couple of friends. We went did a couple dumb. Th- I think I saw Dodgeball, which I didn't much care for except Steve the Pirate, but I do remember going to Media Play and getting a big giant Jack Skellington poster nice. and hanging that up. Mom always got mad at me like that was your senior prom money. I'm like, well, I didn't go. Yeah, I didn't go either. So. <laughs> So you said you made movies yeah. like stupid shorts. Just in stupid, college. just stupid shorts. I think the one I like most has no dial. It's very pretentious. Has no dialogue. It was it was written at a very emo part of my life, where it's like 
Um, I remember writing it, listening to AFI's Sing the Sorrow to just to show how emo that was. But it was basically about like this guy whose girlfriend breaks up with him. So he hangs himself and then she sees him out, like sees his go. It was just, it's so fucking pretentious. Sounds emo. And it's just the sort of thing where like I shot it um, with a couple people from the class and I had a friend, you know, just basically like I had to sort of direct her and it's easier to direct someone when there's no dialogue. So you can just talk over them and not have to worry about putting sound in. And then you realize that you have to have room tone and things like that. So if you don't do that, it just sounds really terrible. And that's how I learned to do editing and all it. it I put it up on YouTube at one point. I think I took it down because it was just like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> when I was living in Syracuse, I was at community college and me and my buddy would make shorts every day between class. We, we had like four hours to kill. Oh, nice. So we would just make dumb shit. Hmm. And like a lot of it was bad, but a lot of it was really funny. Like we go back and watch them every so often and still laugh. Once in a while, I try to like edit some stuff yeah. together, like movies together. But then you don't have to worry about sound and all mm-hmm. this other stuff. And I like editing scripts. Hmm. What do you mean? Like, um, sometimes friends will ask, like, "Hey, could you read this over?" And then oh, okay. send it back, like, "Oh, here's some pacing issues. This scene before here. Maybe if you added another character here or took a character out, like, basically to make the story flow okay. better." That's, that's pretty cool. It's hard for me to kind of read the script to really see it is the problem. That's See, I'm a huge reader. so yeah. I'm, I, I read I, a lot I can, too, but oh, yeah. I can like visualize it. Um, Most of what I read these days is nonfiction. Maybe that's maybe that's why. I read a lot of fantasy. Yeah, I've been really into like trolleyology lately, which I'm just trying to say the word whenever I can because it's fun to what say. What is that? It's the study of the trolley problem. What is that? The, tro- the trolley <laughs> problem is uh, it's a philosophical mind experiment a thought experiment is where uh there's a couple different ways to phrase it but the main one is you're on a runaway trolley and there if if you keep going you're going to barrel into five people who are on the track for some reason and you can pull a lever and move on to another track and then you will run over one person instead so is it morally better to accidentally kill five people or intentionally kill one person to save five people and there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah. Well, there's probably a lot of wrong answers, but there's no real right answer. And that's what's yeah. fascinating about it. Any, um, any other questions for me? Uh, so what what would be, let's say, like your top five films that like mean the most to you? Of all time? Of all time. Aladdin is definitely number one because it's a big part of my upbringing. Uh, Donnie Darko's up there because I watched that a hell of a lot in high school. I love that movie. Um, more recently, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So good. Not only is it a great movie, but I love Spider-Man. Yeah. And you could tell that everyone who worked on that film loves Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the lore is the I mean, animation, they, the they music. They made new technology to make that possible. Yeah. And every character animated a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. It's so And they're very great. accurate to that comic book counterpart. Yeah. Um, to the point where like spider ham is hand animated because mm-hmm. he would be whereas miles is on the twos up until he d- like gets dead together then he's animated every fr- it's so brilliant it's, stuff you won't notice right away it's painstakingly animated oh yeah it's like spider gwen or gwen stacy's like backgrounds very neon and punky like her comic um, it's so genius and they released the the software they used to animate it just they made it um uh, they made it free basically so they oh, open really? source so anyone what can software use it. was it i don't know you have to look it up okay 
But I think it's just so people can use it and they can get new mm-hmm. animators. But that's it, awesome. It was yeah, it's insane. I haven't installed it or anything. I feel like it probably melts my computer. I'm probably gonna look it up as soon as we stop recording. <laughs> Number four, maybe Charlie Bartlett. Pretty good movie, yeah. It's phenomenal. It kind of flew under a lot of people's radars, mm. and that movie helped me a lot in high school. Uh, mm. Number five, I don't know. It's, it changes so often. I know that feeling. Have you ever seen World's Greatest Dad with Robin I Williams? Did. Yeah, I have. That was on my list for a long time. And Glorious Bastards. I, I have like my favorite a, Tarantino is Glorious Bastards. Too. I have like five movies, ten movies that just keep coming in and out of my top five yeah. of all time. Social <laughs> Network's on there. <laughs> Like girl yeah. a dragon tattoo yeah there's tons yeah that's yeah all right what are your top five uh, top five um i'm tempted to say fight club because it's probably Ooh. one of the first movies that like really got me into what it meant to like you know what it, like what a director really does because it's a movie that i don't necessarily agree with in terms of its politics or it's you know what it's saying but i just love the kinetic energy i love how it flows how the arc for the characters move and how you know mild spoilers i think it's public knowledge at this point there's an imaginary friend who you realize that he's not real and he remains a threat for the next 40 minutes of the movie even though it's revealed that he's all in the main character's head as much as i love fight club i didn't watch it till i was a little older and somehow i didn't get the twist spoiled for me and like I feel like if I watched it when I was younger, it would have a much bigger impact on me. But overall, any David Fincher movie is phenomenal. He's, yeah, he's so good at what he does. I remember seeing it for the first time and not knowing that was coming, but kind of figuring it out towards the end. Like, oh, he got out of the wrong side of the car. That's weird. Hmm. And my girlfriend at the time was a psych major, and she figured it out like way before I did. That's the brilliance of that yeah. movie. Like, if, if you pay close attention to like Tyler Durden is never yeah. on screen with anybody but edward norton yeah and if he is he's only ever talking to edward norton yeah. no one else even acknowledges him it's phenomenal it's reminds me a lot of a beautiful mind i haven't i own that i haven't seen it yet i need to do that it's good yeah. i haven't watched it since high school but it is good if, if i'm picking i say i'm kind of cheating here because i'm gonna put um seven psychopaths and in bruges into one slot same director same director yeah very similar tone and I just really like, I really like movies that can be funny and sad and not have one overwhelm the other. The really, movies that can say something but all but never really get in the way of what, like just being entertaining. And I think In Bruges really does that a lot. And it just, I think Sounds Like Paths is slightly more accessible to an American audience. People who actually have never heard of Bruges and don't really get what's going on. And, that was me when I first saw it, which is kind of sad. Hmm. I'm going to also uh, say Casablanca is one of my absolute favorite films. It's something that I think still totally holds up. I've and never seen it. It's really good. It's uh, It can be a little slow sometimes because it's, it's sort of right in the middle of the Hays Code and it's trying to get away with certain things that it can't necessarily get away with, but it's this mixture of political intrigue and there's a romance and there's a bunch of other fun things going on. Peter Laurie has a cameo for about five minutes, and it's great. I thought of another movie for my list yeah. while you're thinking. Oh, yeah. Salem's Lot. That was the first movie to absolutely scare the shit out yeah. of me. That is... That one is just... 
devastating. I think that's the movie that got me like into horror. Yeah. Like I, I always grew up liking horror, like Friday the Thirteenth and everything. But this one's the first movie to scare the shit out of me. Yeah. For me, that would be the thing, which I think is also going to be my next, <laughs> my next pick. The thing is, it's a little cheesy because some of the effects have not aged well. Some of them have aged tremendously well. The practical effects still look great. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. There's a couple of them that are a little silly when they have to crank the camera one way or the other, but it's. It's so, because it's not just about the monster. It's about these people who are stuck in the middle of nowhere. They can't communicate with anyone outside of where they are. They're they're at each other's throats kind of already before everything goes down. And then crazy alien shit happens. And they're just like, I don't know which one of us are real, which one of us are not people anymore. It's really good and really intense. And even by the end, you're not entirely sure what is going on. And it's great. Love it. John Carpenter is a master storyteller. Oh, absolutely. Do you know what? I'm going to put, put the prestige on there, if I'm being honest. Yeah, you've been talking about that this week and last <laughs> week. So. It's such a good movie. It's uh, it's about it's about obsession, and it's about how, if you're not careful, you will ruin your own life hmm. for no significant benefit. Not to mention the acting is fantastic. Scarlett Johansson is probably the weakest link and considering that she's a really good for this point you know she got nominated for two oscars you know like she's really got her game up i think if she's the weak link that means the film is probably like and chris fantastic. nolan just knows how to direct a film oh, absolutely too. It, the, the, i don't think he has a single bad movie no there's nothing i would rate below like eight out of ten probably i'd say nine yeah he's so good even and this is my personal opinion i think uh, Inception has not aged tremendously well, but it's still so impressive. It's very innovative for, what, 2008? 2010. 2010. Yeah. Yeah. Dark Knight might be his masterpiece, but I think Prestige is my personal favorite. Mm. It's... I think Memento might be my favorite. Memento is really good. Memento well. or Insomnia. They're both yeah. phenomenal. Speaking of Robin Williams, I Insomnia love, is Williams. a totally different version of him. I'd never thought I could be frightened by him. He's so sinister. Yeah. You know Swing. he's dangerous, and it's like, Robin Williams can't... Oh, jeez, okay, maybe he can be scary. Like the first time he, he calls uh, Al Pacino, and you you hear his voice, you're like, is that Robin Williams? Because at this point, you haven't seen him on yeah. the screen. And this 20, 30 minutes in. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. And Al Pacino, who you know really knocked out of the park a lot in the 70s and 80s, but hasn't really given a great performance necessarily, is really quite good. And you're, you're stuck with him for most of that film. It's based on a Swedish film, I think, with uh, Stellan Sarsgaard. It's, uh, I don't well in Sweden. I think they have a similar situation mm-hmm. where the sun doesn't necessarily go down all the way, oh, all like in throughout Alaska. the year. Yeah, that, yeah, I think that's and you just you just lose your mind if you're it. It's not as cut and dry as it's shown in in Insomnia or in Thirty Days of Night, where the sun never goes up. So it even at the darkest, like when it's dark all year round, the, the sun still rises it doesn't really rise enough to be day but it comes up and the same thing it goes down enough to there's a there's twilight and stuff so it's not bright non-stop for a month you lose your fucking mind yeah and it's not dark for a month but it makes for good storytelling yeah i can't really uh i think we you know kind of talked a little bit about ourselves kind of our little our preferences and i'm sure that come out if we talk about more movies going mm-hmm. forward but i think we've got a good mix of you know classic and modern mm-hmm. takes on stuff i'm trying not to be too modern because recency bias is definitely a thing oh, yeah. 
I like a lot of older films. Like, I noticed at home, I tend to watch a lot of older movies, where if I don't see a movie in theaters, I probably won't watch it for at least a long time. Because, yeah. like, there's so much hidden gems from the 70s and 80s oh, and yeah. 60s that, like, you just don't hear about. And it's so, one of the really nice things about streaming services yeah. is they bring a lot of that stuff. I like um, more of the, like, obscure b-horror films like, <laughs> yes like nobody talks about those they only talk about like oh friday the 13th nightmare on elm street i want some of like the, the I sleaze don't, i don't like slasher films a because i don't find them scary and b there's so many of them and so many of them are terrible i love the bad ones there's i think i think there's two and a pardon me two and a half to three good nightmare on elm street movies depending on how you look at it one three and seven and then there's like one decent Jason Voorhees movie. I disagree with that. I think there's one bad Jason Voorhees movie. Which one's that? Three. Okay. Other than that, I think they're all phenomenal. <laughs> I really like the one where he goes into space. Jason X Jason is amazing. X. Yeah. I like Jason Takes Manhattan. But part six is the best one. Jason lives on a boat for... Because <laughs> eventually he can teleport and he's a zombie and like... Yeah, that's like six, seven, and yeah, eight. Yeah, it's, it's really weird stuff. Six is the best one, though. It's the most brutal. Like, you yeah. can tell Kane Hodder plays Jason. Oh, yeah. And he doesn't say anything, but, you know, he's acting his ass off. Oh, yeah. Thank you all for listening to our our prequel <laughs> episode. <laughs> our prequel. Yeah. Our prequel episode, episode zero of Crossroads. And have a good night.